0: Hello, I'm Brooke Johnson. Welcome to my father's podcast. For this week's message or any of the messages in our archive, subscribe for free on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Bethel Christian Fellowship is a church that relies on the support of its community. We consider you a part of that community and we would love for you to participate in our financial life. You can do that at our website at drcraigjohnson.org. Whether you're new to this space or a regular pod listener, we're glad you're here. We believe that this message will bring you hope, encouragement, and guidance. God bless you.
1: Good morning, Bethel. Can we greet our loved ones in the name of the Lord? Those of you in the house, we have the warners in the house again. Thanks be to God. My Lord, my Lord. Gretchen's in the house. David's in the house. We got it. We've got a good house today. Streaming family, we welcome you. And I hope that you came with your bib on and your knife and your fork, and I hope you came hungry today. Because my assignment today in our series, our continuing series called The Season of Ear Tingling, hmm? for Samuel 3:11 I'm going to do a work in your day is going to make everybody's ears tingle that hear it. Any ear tingling testimonies going on around the world right now. We've been studying in a series demonstrating that only God can take one down and put one up. We looked at the fact that he put Ben he put uh, Reuben, the firstborn son of Jacob down when that seemed impossible. He was the firstborn and by birth had inherited everything and just about the time Reuben was going to receive his crown, Jacob put him down and he placed Judah, the fourth son in the first son's place. Did you notice that God is changing the chessboard pieces on the board right now? And he is the sovereign God. And we looked at the fact that Eli, the priest, was put down so that Samuel could be exalted. And when Samuel was exalted, the silence of God was broken in the land. There's good news for God's remnant people coming up. God's about to break his silence. Isaiah put it this way, for a long time I've been silent, but now I will scream out like a woman giving birth. I've been in the birthing room, and I've heard that scenario with these two ears, and there is no scream like a woman in travail. Has God seemed silent in your life? Hold on. Don't worry about it. He's about to move, but he's about to move in ways that are going to make your ears tingle. You know what that means. It just makes your hair stand on end. That old phrase, oh, my hair stood on end. When God does so many sovereign divine appointments at a given moment, it makes your hair stand on end. But he loves to do that. And last week we talked about Joseph, the great ideal uh, of one person who he put down and put up. He didn't just take Reuben down and put Judah in. He didn't just take Eli down and put Samuel up. He took Joseph himself, his own boy, down 13 years in prison, and then he put him up. And last week we found out God has a plan when he exalts his people. First, he sends the supply before the demand. He sent Joseph to Egypt before there was any need for a little Jewish boy that could prophesy. Have you ever felt like the red-headed stepchild? Just no, there's no famine for you at all. <laughs> it doesn't seem you have any talent, any gift, any ability, anything that would make you stand out at all. In fact, you just blend into the wallpaper. You just call someone a wallflower. Remember that? Who is he? Where is she? You know, you just can't even see him. You blend in with the wallpaper. Joseph was sent that God sends the supply before the demand. He does every time. And there was no value. So he, he goes through a complicated circumstance in order to take Joseph where he is in Canaan and put him into Egypt. And we noticed last week that God sends a person, not a principle. God never sends a, an idea. He sends a person. It takes a mind to have an idea in it. And did you know whenever in the Bible God's going to move, usually you see a a baby. Isn't that true? Moses floating in an ark just so happened to not be harmed, just so happened to cry at the right time, just so happened to show up in Pharaoh's palace, just so happened. He sent a little baby thing that made a woman cry. So he sends a person, not a principal. That's why Pharisees can't ever go anywhere because they put principles over people. So he'll never use a person with a religious spirit. He can't send them anywhere. they are bombs that will go off wherever he sends them. And so Joseph was the person that God unconventionally sent to Egypt when there was absolutely no interest in him. So he sends the supply before the demand. He sends a person, not a principal. And usually the person he sends isn't someone you think it would look like. Does she look like someone God would send? No, never. Does he look like someone God would send? No, never, usually. So there's good news for you. (laughs) The Bible says of the Messiah, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. He made the world, but the world did not recognize him. Wake up and smell the Bible. They're not going to recognize you when God sends you. And we found out, praise be to God, that God caused a famine to come that would surface Joseph. Joseph was going to come to prominence in due course, and he did, but it took a famine in the land. So grievous, attention so great that only Joseph was a mineral and vitamin that could be called forth to meet the need at that time. And so uh, not to re-preach an entire message, but today we're going to continue our ear-tingling season and we're going to introduce you to Benjamin. We're going to talk about the Benjamin generation right now, because rising in the earth right now is a remnant group called the Benjamin generation. Well, we've heard of the Joshua generation, yeah. And we've spoken before about Nathaniel being that beautiful young man Jesus met. There's a Nathaniel generation. But I believe with all my heart, the generation rising now, and we're not talking about just little babies. We're talking about you may be 80, you may be 90, but you're a part of the Benjamin generation. What is the Benjamin generation? The Benjamin generation is the generation of the beloved. Oh, this is already so good. I know where I'm going. I just have to, I got to tingle a little bit. Do you remember the blessings in Genesis 49 that all of the sons of Jacob were at his bedside? And I want you to hear what he said about the youngest child, Benjamin. Genesis 49, 27, Benjamin is a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey. In the evening, he divides the plunder. Now, if you know anything about Benjamin in in the history of Genesis, he doesn't say a word. He's called the lad all the time. Whenever he comes up, it sounds like he's nine years old or he's five years old or something. But when they go into Egypt, he's got five sons already. So uh, he's the last of Jacob's babies. And if you remember the story, and I'm speaking in broad strokes, all right, from the helicopter perspective. Jacob has, tw- he winds up with 12 sons. Do you remember what number of son Joseph was? Remember the number of who Joseph was in the in the birth order? He's the 11th child. Benjamin is the 12th the final son of Jacob. And remember, Joseph is taken into Egyptian bondage, and Jacob believes he's dead for 22 years. Beloved, I'm talking to some people that you thought your dreams died 22 years ago and you legitimately had logical reasons and reasonable reasons that would support the fact that Joseph, your Joseph, your dream, the love of your life, the calling God gave you, the the vision that you had is dead. You have every logical reason to believe Joseph is dead, but you're wrong, as my dad would say. Dead ass wrong. I'm sorry, that was my dad from Iowa. He didn't know any better. Have you ever been so wrong, you're right? (laughs) I'm talking to some people now that you think, you think, but you're wrong. Joseph is alive. Jacob thought Joseph was dead. They brought him Joseph's coat. They put goat blood on it. Boy, the devil even knows how to fabricate forensic evidence to make you believe a lie. A, then B, then 2 plus 2 is 22. No, 2 plus 2. You were doing fine till the equals. Two and two is 22. No. <laughs> Have you ever, you can even follow someone's argument and their conclusion is wrong. They're doing well until they go off. Have you ever seen that? It's very important that you interpret things properly in this season right now and not misinterpret what God is doing because Joseph, Jacob, is not dead. Joseph, in fact, is very much alive, and he's lord of Egypt, and he's in control of the famine that is just about to end because God loved you so much he sent Joseph before you to make provision for you. Jacob thinks Joseph's dead. But all he has for 22 years is this little baby, Benjamin. Benjamin is his baby. Benjamin is the son of his old age. If Joseph reminded him of Rachel, and he did, only Benjamin is left alive in his mind. The only thing left in his old age that looks like his beloved wife. Every time Jacob looked at Joseph, he saw Rachel, Mama. You see that in your children? I might cry a few times today. But you see, when you look at your children and you see Mama, see, the problem with Abraham and Hagar is that uh, Ishmael didn't look anything like Sarah. but the bible says that jacob's wife rachel was the love of his life this guy meets her this gorgeous shepherdess she comes down with her sheep and her golden tan and her abercrombie and fish model looks and the bible said jacob just looked at her it says he opened the top of the well and he kissed her and wept when I get to heaven, first question is, was Oswald even in the sixth floor window? Second question is, where's Rachel? I want to see Rachel. I want to see a woman that'll make a man cry on impact. Most men have to wait to the wedding night to start crying. But the point is, he went. <laughs> Are you awake? Everybody awake? Good. The Starbucks just kicked in. Good. Thank the Lord. The sword of the Lord and Starbucks. He brought the Kennedy assassination into Yes, he did. Yes, he did. That shocked me, too. (laughs) I have a word for Rachel today, a word for those of you struggling with barrenness. I have a word for Jacob today, those of you that have been struggling to hold on to Benjamin. You need to let Benjamin go. I have a word for Joseph today. Joseph, hold on. You're one brother away from utter fulfillment when it comes to your prophecies. And I have a word for Benjamin. Benjamin, just show up wherever you show up. Tears and reconciliation are going to happen. I have a word for the devil. Your house of cards is coming down. Everything you built is going to be burnt down in front of you. And there's nothing you can do about it. Isn't God good? He's a sovereign Lord of heaven and earth. So I want to start today, and I want to zoom in on Benjamin. Who on earth is Benjamin? Well, in Genesis 49, he's called a ravenous wolf. In the morning, he devours the prey, and in the evening, he divides the plunder. What on earth does this have to do with that little lad who never says a word? And everyone loves him. Notice his brothers that hated Joseph love Benjamin. In fact, Judah himself is going to offer to sacrificially give his life, to spare the life of little Benji. Everybody loves Benji. Jacob, he says he's my right arm. He's the son of my old age. He's my cane. When I go to get up to go to the bathroom, Benjamin (coughs) picks me up. When I'm getting up to do anything else, Benjamin picked, he is my right arm. Everybody loves him. He's the only son that Jacob ever named. Boy, you care for something you name. Well, what about the other boy? The mom has named the other boys. Remember Leah, right? Reuben, see a son? Well, now my husband's going to love me. Simeon, God's heard from me. Now my husband's going to love me. Levi, he's going to be joined to me now. Judah, he's praised. Everybody, all the kids were named by the women, except Benjamin, his precious mother, Rachel. Rachel's the shepherdess of Israel. She comes down, and Jacob is love at first sight and lust at first sight. It's good when they both go together. In fact, if you think you're going to marry without both, You're out of your mind. I'm just telling you that in a nice Christian counseling way. There's got to be passion. Well, I thought I'd be super spiritual, and I would just marry you. It's already over. It's already dead. Just burn it down. Love and lust. They got to go together in a sanctified way. Quit saying, what are you waving at, Gretchen? Gretchen's gonna wave over there. She's waving me down. I don't know what to do. Are you trying to stop me and get me off track? <laughs> Rachel was a ewe lamb. It says his little baby lamb. Oh, you lamb. Oh, my little lamb. Mm that's the way he felt about her from the beginning to the end. She was a nut. She was a nut. She's got her father's gods. She's hiding out and sitting. All, I mean, she she's one of the, you know, you can't choose who you love sometimes. Mic drop. Some of you said an amen into and, and yourself right there. You know what I'm talking about. He loved her so much. She had every... She, every man wanted her, and every woman wanted to be her. That's who she was. She had everything a woman could want or a man could want except fruitfulness. Rachel was all stimulation, no fruitfulness. Like most of the church world right now, all stimulation, no fruitfulness. All stimulation. Woo! I told my little girl the other day, I said, true love is not the fireworks of Disneyland. It's the flame that heats your tea. She said, that's good. Craig, that's good. I said, I know it's good. I said, remember that the rest of your life. Nothing wrong with fireworks. No, I'm not, far be it from me to condemn God's fireworks. But it's usually that flame that heats your tea in the long run that <laughs> catches you. <laughs> Amen. And all the older folks said, uh, change the subject. All right, I will not. I refuse. <laughs> and oh, it got quiet in here? Amen. Well, I, I might preach you all, all quiet. Now, I'm going to look to another place in, in uh, Deuteronomy. I flipped all the way to Romans. <laughs> My magical Bible went too fast for me. Probably glasses would help. All right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. <laughs> I want to read a little skosh, just a snippet from Deuteronomy chapter 23. Because I mean, uh, 33. How about 33? Let's go with that. Because Moses mentions Benjamin, so so what is this ravenous wolf thing, right? He seems a quiet little boy that minds his business, and everybody loves him. It seems that he's special because Daddy named him. By the way, Mama was precious, but Mama died giving birth to Benjamin. His life started out with a grave assault of the enemy against him, trying to kill him. I don't know if any of you know what it's like to be attacked from the time you were young because the enemy always wants to kill what he can in the womb because if it ever gets out of the womb alive, whoever it is, his kingdom is over. We live in a spiritual age of child sacrifice. I would never sacrifice a baby like Manasseh. Oh, you don't need to. 45 million a year are being sacrificed legally. 45 million children worldwide a year. That's the number Stalin killed in his life every 365 days. If God does not judge America, he's going to have to apologize to Sodom and Gomorrah because the blood of children was the primary blood that would cause the land to be fruitless and to be utterly salted over and never allowed to bear fruit again. Every nation... Engage in such a slaughter was wiped out by God personally because of the personal affront. So we'll just put that out there, lay that down. Well, I think, well, you're not paid to think. While you're thinking, it's 45 million every 365 days. 45 million, 45 million, 45 million, 45 million. It was in the midst of a famine, the greatest famine the world had ever seen, where we see Benjamin rise. Loved one, as vicious as the age is, and it is vicious and brutish and devilish, God will have the the last word as to what happens. And God is about to raise the answer up to all the problems in our famine world, and it's Benjamin. Benjamin. It's a generation of the beloved. You say, well, what are you talking about, Craig? Well, I'll get there. Give me a little room to breathe. Deuteronomy thirty three twelve. 12, this is what Moses says about Benjamin, and this is where it's all going to start to click together. So he is a ravenous line to who? To the devil. The devil hates Benjamin's, and he tries to kill him in the womb. And he tried to kill this Benjamin in the womb because Mama died pushing him out. And it says, as her spirit left her, she cried out in anguish, Benoni, son of my sorrow. She named him in an attempt in her grief to push that grief on to him. Which would have ruined his life she dies putting a curse on her own son but right then Jacob hears it and he goes no 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 you are not. I'm not going to let that name Benoni stay I'm calling him Benjamin Benjamin the son of my right hand the most significant child in my life that's who he is this is the only child that Jacob named himself love one you might have done what they said you did but you're not who they say you are You are who your Father in heaven says you are. I don't care what Mama said in her pain. She was nuts. God is going to name you. And the name Benjamin is very important. You're not going to be just the result of someone's sorrow and someone's brokenness and someone's weird religion and what you are going to be named by the Lord. He puts the label on the can. And when He puts a label on the can, it matches what's in the can. The son of my right hand. Literally the one I'm leaning my full weight on. He's so precious. What does Moses say about him? Deuteronomy 33, 12. About Benjamin, he said, Let the beloved of the Lord rest secure in him, for he shields him all day long. And the one the Lord loves rests between his shoulders. Well, what is he? Is he a ravenous wolf? Or is he a gorgeous little lamb that is the beloved of the Lord that the Lord loves so much, this lamb doesn't even have to walk anywhere. God puts him up on his neck. Remember when God looks for the lost sheep, what does he do? Well, the one that wanders, he breaks its leg himself. And then he puts it up around his neck. My God's a good God. He won't break a lamb's leg. Then throw the Bible out and get another religious book. Because he will pursue you, and he will break your leg, and he will draw you so close that you sit right between his shoulders. That lamb didn't even have to walk anywhere. The shepherd walked everywhere. Now, isn't that a picture of ease? You're up on the shepherd's neck. How's it going? All the other sheep walking around, and, and the shepherd is your leg's. Wherever the shepherd goes, there you go. I don't know about you. Uh, He can break my tail. He can break my neck as long as I get to be right up on his neck. Thank you, Jesus. You know, God, God, Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. Remember that one? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to be right up? Now, wait a minute. Moses looks at Benjamin, and he calls him the beloved of the Lord, utterly and completely secure on the neck of God wherever God goes. Who's that sheep, Benjamin? Benjamin, Benjamin, Benjamin. That's all we hear about. But nobody disliked him. These His brothers were ravening wolves trying to kill Joseph. They envied him so much they wanted him dead. <laughs> we're talking they wanted him dead. But Benjamin, oh, Benjamin. Ooh whenever he comes in, all these wicked, formerly wicked brothers have their hearts open to Benjamin how come everybody loves Benjamin? because he's the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests now, we'll leave that there what do we mean the beloved of the Lord? I know you remember the teaching called the beloved of the Lord, why do you remember it? because it's the most profound teaching you've ever heard in this church What is it? Well, it's the teaching that says, when you ask the question, who am I, there are three possible answers in this world. The first one is, you are what you have. Now, if I ask the question, who is Craig Johnson, and someone answers me with, Craig Johnson is what he has, well, then Craig had better have a lot, and he better hold on to all of it. Because if I am what I have and my value is associated with what I have, then I better hold on to everything I have. Because what about there's a day when I don't have that anymore? What if I have youth at 18 and I'm 62 and I don't have the same skills? I don't have the same strength. I lost some, made some bad bank transactions. I don't have the same amount of money. If I am what I have, then my value is wiped out when I don't have it anymore. Right? The second answer to who am I in this world, not God's answer, the world's answer, after you are what you have is you are what you can do. If my value of being accepted is based on what I can do, that's great when I'm 18 and have all I can juggle. Oh, you should have seen me early in ministry. I could ride a unicycle over Niagara Falls, juggling five chainsaws on fire. Look at what he can... And sing! Oh, and was cute oh and he's cute too i i could do a lot but i'm 62. what would that be three score instead of trying to be biblical <laughs> well i can't do all the things i used to be able to do when i was 18. and can you are you noticing as you <laughs> and then the liars speak up and amen well, do you <laughs> See, if you are what you do, then when you can no longer do what you used to be able to do, then you are evidently worthless, useless. Check, get the hook. So if the answer to who am I is I am what I have or I am what I can do, the third one, I am what other people say I am. oh What if your identity is rooted in what other people say about you? Well, when they say good things, you're fine. Stop, you know called the stock market syndrome, up and down, right? Everybody loves you. Well, everybody, Craig, Tom, we love Craig Johnson. He's wonderful. He's a lot like Glenn Thompson. <laughs> when everyone speaks well of you, I guess you're okay, and then you're acceptable. But what about what about when they call you a dog, and they get more truthful? If you are what other people say you are, then when they call you a dog and they call you a Judas and they call you nothing and they call you stupid, ugly, and dumb and your mom addresses you funny, then I guess you're having a bad day and you're not acceptable anymore. You see, when we ask who are we, there are three answers this world gives and they're all false. You are what you can do, you are what you have, or you are what other people say about you. Now here's what God says in Luke 3.22. You are the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. That's what God says. When you say, who am I? He says, you are the beloved of the Lord, on whom his favor rests. When the Son of God came out of the waters of the Jordan, the sky split, the Holy Spirit descended, and the Father said over the Son, this is my beloved on whom my favor rests. You're not what you do. You're not what you have. You're not what other people say you are. You are God's choice. And he says you are lovable because he, the ultimate lovable one, has chosen you as the object of his love. Check, please. Get the hook. That is what the beloved teaching is. You are, the, the devil says, you're dumb, you're stupid, you're ugly. Look what you did 72 hours ago. Christ says, you are the beloved of the Lord on whom the Father rests. You might have fallen down, but you're the beloved of the Lord Fallen down. Get back up. You might have a pain in your apostat near your zorch, but you're the beloved of the Lord with a pain in your apostat near your zorch. You, <laughs> the beloved of the Lord. You see, in God's eyes, he chose you from eternity, considers you altogether lovely because his son, the true Benjamin, gave himself for you, and because of that, you are actually the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. Now, now, there, I just taught, that took 90 minutes to usually unwrap. You got it, 90 seconds. Well, a little longer. So who am I? You are the beloved of the Lord in whom his favor rests. That's who you are. You can't lose. There's nothing you can do to gain it. There's nothing you can do to lose it. That's who you are. God has fixed his gaze. And when he fixes his gaze on somebody, it's unfixable. He's not going to like good. See you on Monday, not see you on Tuesday, like you on Thursday, not like you on Saturday. He's not like your mama. I think I got the mic, too. If I go up, this might be the last word I ever give. I might be electrocuted. (laughs) He's not stock market syndrome when it comes to you. I like him. I hate him. I like him. I hate him. I like him. I hate him. It's Tuesday. I like him. You know, it's like, oh, eeny, meeny, miny. No. He fixes his gaze upon you from eternity. And the lamb slain from the foundation of the world says, that's my girl. That's my boy. And that's who you are. Guess who Benjamin He was the beloved of the Lord. God said, he's my friend. His house is right next to me. And we're pretty even closer than having a house next door. What was the jurisdiction of the Benjamin tribe? Jerusalem. The very place the temple was built was Benjamin inheritance. So God says, he's my next door neighbor. He's my best friend. He's utterly secure. And he's right on my back here. So he doesn't even need to walk. Well, if he spoils them that much here, they're just going to be useless in the end. Love one. You can, if you were paid for your opinion. But you're not paid here for it. He can break any leg he wants. He can put any lamb he wants on his neck. He can carry any lamb he wants. He can carry me everywhere so I don't even need to walk. Do you see with Benjamin? I want you to see this image. Benjamin is so beloved. He doesn't even have to do anything to be accepted. He doesn't have to talk. Wherever he goes, grace, truth, time, and power shows up. The Benjamin generation. All he's got to do is go to the bathroom and grace, truth, time, and power is in the bathroom. He doesn't have to preach. He doesn't have to teach. He doesn't have to witness. All he does is just show up and he's daddy's right arm. Dad, everything to Jacob. You ask Jacob the value of Benjamin, see how he reacts with the threat of loss. Oh, beloved, there's so much to there's so much to unroll. But please have an open and hearing heart right now because there is a a remnant generation rising and all they got to do is walk in a room and God walks in with them. In fact, they're on his back. It's Jesus walking in the room. Who's that on his neck, Benjamin? Who's Benjamin? The beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. And he's very well aware of it. and He's not arrogant and he's not proud. And nowhere does he need to be brought down because there's nothing about him that's unlikable. He's the lad. And it will be his presence walking into Egypt with his brothers, which is the linchpin to release the tears of a lifetime for Joseph, and will bring about the greatest fulfillment of all those prophecies that were given to him back in Genesis 37, 7, and 9. Do you remember Joseph as a 17-year-old had a dream? Two dreams. He had a dream where sheaves in the field, uh, his stood up, and all the rest bowed down to him. 11 sheaves bowed down. And he went to his brothers and said, hey, guys, Hi, I had a dream and you were all in it. Russ <laughs> and Remember that? Remember Muttley? <laughs> Whenever Joseph showed up, the Bible says they hated his guts. Why? Because that was Rachel's boy. He looked like his mama. Well, that favoritism was ruinous to that house, and it brought division. Yeah, I know, but you can't choose who you love sometimes. Sometimes you just fall in love. And whoever she is, whoever he is, whatever the dream is, whatever you fall in love with, anyone that looks like that, you fall in love with that too. Ever known that friends over time, to be friends over time, have to have shared interests, family resemblance in their interests? Don't care what it's could be stamp collecting. Don't understand it. World War Two memorabilia. I understand stamp collecting. I told David, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. This stamp is worth a billion dollars. I'd yeah, I'd snort it off the page. <sniffs> Wouldn't even know what it is. You know. <laughs> I'd sneeze and blow it off and just not even know what I did. But you know what I mean. You all have your Rachel's things you're in love with. And anything that looks like Rachel stirs your heart in the same way. And Rachel only had two boys. Joseph, who Jacob thinks is dead, who looked a lot like mama. And Benjamin, the only thing left in his life that looks like mama? Have you ever tried to hold on to something that God says to let go of? Because it's the only thing that reminds you of Rachel. It's the only thing left that you have, that you feel you have control over something that's beautiful to you, something that's altogether lovely, something that is all you live for. And the Lord says, give it up. Let it go. There's no way in heaven, earth, or hell Jacob is going to let Benjamin go to Egypt. After what happened to Joseph and these lying boys had something to do with it, Joseph, uh, jo- Jacob never trusted him much. Reuben, he didn't trust at all. Remember that guy's unstable as water? Reuben's saying, hey, we just went down. Now, remember our story last week. The brothers go on their first trip to Egypt, and they come before Joseph, who happens to be the prime minister. Uh, he recognizes them. They don't recognize him. And the scripture says in Genesis 42, 6, they bowed down before Joseph. Ooh, God's fulfillments are greater than his promises. But they always come to pass. His word, he speaks, always comes to pass. And no one foresaw it. And no one knew what was going on. And they're going down because there's a famine. And they're going to get some grain. And the guy that just so happens to rule the nation just so happens to be the brother that 22 years ago they threw in a pit in their anger and disgrace. And he just so happens to be lord of the world. And what are you going to do when you get power? What are you going to do to your enemies? Haven't the tables turned? I know some of your wicked hearts. Yeah, I know what you would do if you were Joseph. Let's just take a look-see at everyone's name that has offended me. Bring the book. Wow! Wow! What are we going to do to Judah? Oh, <laughs> Come on, you devil, in Jesus' name, come out. You know I'm talking about you. What are you going to do with power? What are you going to do with influence? What are you going to do when the sword flips into your hand and you got the blade at the neck of your enemy who was going to torture you to death five seconds before? (laughs) Well, I'll make it quick. No, you got to do better than that. (laughs) Do you realize you don't know what's in you until you have prominence and power to be able to hurt somebody and get some comeuppance in order? I mean, I like to watch comeuppance, but when I'm in charge of whether they happen, what's Craigie going to do with power? What are you going to do with money? What are you going to do when you're in the position of absolute power? Why, I would forgive and love and cause mercy to know. Remember the ring? You give me the ring, and I will be the most powerful being that ever. Did you remember in Lord of the Rings? The ring is that which reveals what filthy thing is in you. Huh? Remember Kate Blanchard in that? My God, never seen a beautiful woman like that in my life. But when when the ring is offered to her, she becomes the most wicked <laughs> queen that. You, and I show all show fear. You know, it's just like okay, take the ring away from Kate. She's got a good thirty-year career ahead of her, but don't let her have the ring. You know, and then you know she like shakes it off, like going, oh, I'm back to being beautiful again. That's what's in you, and you don't know what's in you till the ring just. <sighs> You just get a whiff of it. Now, see, Lincoln said, if you, if you want to know what a man is, give him power. Not hard times. It's hard times. You don't see what somebody is in hard times. You have to be nice to some people because you need to be nice to some people. But what you really are is what comes out when you have power. And we're praying for all this stuff that would ruin our lives. God, give me money. And I promise to tithe. (laughs) Okay, first of all, come back. We want want to talk to Billy. And not that archetypical power that rules Persia. If I had money. (laughs) That's (laughs) what... <laughs> you ever notice why some people just never get certain things? Because God knows if He answered their wants, uh, it would destroy them and burn everybody's life down around them. I know some people like that. I don't know about you. Oh my God. You learn when you get older to thank God for all the prayers He didn't answer that you asked for. Because you would have burnt down the universe and all the things He was doing in your world. I would not have. I'm sweet. So it's church people you got to watch out for. I'm sweet. I'll be fine if God gives me money. <laughs> you think I'm kidding? I'm not being kid I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. God's about to raise up the Benjamin generation. Why? Because the Benjamin generation cannot be bought with money. They cannot be tempted with power. They don't care about influence. And they all they care about is they're the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. And they sit right on his neck. And everywhere Jesus goes, they go. They don't even have to walk. Your, if you're a part of this Benjamin generation, if you're part of this beloved generation, it's going to get it's so easy for you. It's going to be so easy. All you got to do is wake up in the morning. And open your eyes and the devil goes oh he's up again. Oh she's up again. Benjamin. Everybody likes him everywhere he goes the door's open. He doesn't say much doesn't have to all he has to do is be because wherever he goes there's grace truth time and power. Grace, truth, time, and power. The whole package, grace, truth, time, and power. And he just walked in. Aren't you, aren't you wanting to see a move of God's Holy Ghost where God gets all the glory and we don't have to follow any big leaders and we don't have to kiss up to some doctrinal class in the denominational world and that it's just all God all the time. But he does have a few little lambs that when they show up, he does. This uh, pulpit belonged to Catherine Kuhlman, one of the most precious servants of the Lord. And when Catherine's car wheels hit the bottom garage area of the Shrine Auditorium, all the healings began in the line of people that were waiting outside from 5 in the morning. Doors opened at 1. Nobody knew she was on the property. God knew she was on the property. And as soon as her car entered the property, blind children were healed out on the street. The lame began to walk. Why? Because she just showed up. A Benjamin anointing the Benjamin generation, the generation of the beloved, those who know they're his own. They know Jesus loves you, but I'm his favorite. These are folk that have it deep down inside. They don't need 20 more years of inner healing, counseling, and deliverance. They've accepted they're the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. It's not my works. It's by faith in him. He does it all, and I just show up. Do you remember Peter used to just walk down the street and his shadow would fall and heal people? Now, that wasn't a power healing ministry. We're going to be doing a teaching on power healing today, and we're going to be the seven steps of having your shadow heal people. Peter didn't know what was going on. God was doing it. I'm so tired of seminars, five of this, six of that. You know, on Mother's Day, we extol you. On Father's Day, you get the sermon of 12 things you have to quit and 19 things you have to start is that true dads and all the dads said amen a hearty amen it's true we get the ought and the should and the do and the don't and the this and the that the benjamin generation is just going to show up and just sort of i don't care how old you are you may just have to hovel in the room Catherine was a Catherine used to say apart from the anointing of the lord i'm an ugly skinny old woman But when you're riding on the shoulders of the Son of God and his anointing consumes you as a burning flame, stuff happens. Lives get changed. Lives get saved. People get transformed by you just showing up. Could you imagine a move so gloriously easy that you don't need to go to any seminars? Thank God. And you don't need uh, to be a black belt in prayer. What? A black belt in prayer? A PhD in prayer? I've met a few folk like that. Bore anymore and you strike oil. You can't learn things that are caught. They're not taught, they're caught. Do you know most life is caught, not taught? You catch how to be a man of God by watching a godly man. You catch how to be a woman of God by watching a godly woman. It's just, they're being who they are, they're being a Benjamin about it. Just do you. Just do you. And I'm gleaning something from it. And, and sometimes I, I learn from you, even if it's only how never to be. I'm gleaning. <laughs> Craig's winnowing and gleaning again. I was on the phone with somebody the other day, and I let loose what I actually thought about somebody in a given context. And it probably would have been considered rude. But it was true. But I still learned something from them. That I under no circumstance can ever be a jackass like that. I'm learning. I'm gleaning. (laughs) David learned how not to be king under Saul. Moses learned how not to be a leader under Pharaoh. And you can learn even from the devil himself. I was at big meeting christian meeting one time and after i was done eating i got up and i said i'm going to do something the devil's never going to do i'm going to (laughs) leave he's consistent you got to give him that learn from him he never quits he's always checking the door to see what door is open always always he's persistent you got to give him that even Michael the archangel wouldn't speak ill of him. He said, the Lord rebuke you. You've got to show respect for principalities and powers. Now, I'm going to try to find some way to sew this all up for today because we're going to be here for a few weeks, and I, I hope that you don't mind that we need to look at the dual nature of Jacob because he's a ravenous lion to the devil. The devil hates you. If he could have killed you, you would have been dead by now. If he's as strong as he says he is, you wouldn't be here. You'd have been lips and tennis shoes. Why are you still here, Benjamin? Because God isn't finished with you. You are the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. You embody grace, truth, time, and power, and all you've got to do is wake up in the morning and make toast and get your coffee, go to work, come home and not see anything, go through the mall, you are doing spiritual prophetic damage to the kingdom of hell when you just walk around. Everywhere Benjamin went, he was a ravenous wolf to the devil and he was burning down the enemy's works with fire. Can you imagine if you just going through the mall with your coffee people watching and saw in the spirit that you're burning down every demonic work within 20 miles? Just you showing up. Now that's just fantasy land, Craig. And I don't want to feed on fantasies. It isn't fantasy land. Just because you can't see it May God open your eyes to see there are more with you than there are with the enemy. Remember the servant of God, Jehaziah. He saw tens of thousands of people coming to get Elijah. Elijah said, open his eyes, Lord, and open his eyes. He said, there are more with us than there are with them. You just don't see it unless God opens your eyes. Benjamin, everywhere you go, everywhere your foot goes, in fact, you don't even have to walk because you're on the back of God. He's walking you. That's a new worship song, isn't it? God is my legs. He takes me everywhere he goes. Oh, you have to walk, don't you? sorry. I'm carried everywhere. Benjamin, but you got to love him. Little ravenous wolf. So he's got a dual nature. From the beginning, the devil tried to kill him. In his mother's womb, he tried to kill him before he came out. He's half out, and she's half dead. And the devil's tried to kill some of you when you were little in the womb. And if he couldn't get you then, God named you quick. You were not going to be the son of her sorrow or his sour. You were going to be the right hand of the daughter of the right hand, the son of the right hand. God named you. And then you had to go through a fantastically ridiculous home of dysfunction. You've never seen more dysfunction than you see in Rachel. Rachel was pretty, but she was all stimulation and no fruit and was a little nutty. So his, very begin, his origin, his genesis was difficult. So was yours. But you survived. His house was screwed up. It was a dysfunctional nightmare. You can't d- even start comparing to what this kid dealt with. But Benjamin was untouched by it. Isn't it something you can see some people that are in it but not of it? Isn't that great? You can be in it, but not of it. You can give the worst testimony of anyone in the room of abuse of anyone in the room, but literally, you're not, you're not, you're not mentally off. You you, you were in it, but not of it. God just sprayed Teflon on you. I know kids that have been sexually abused, and I've known many of them, and I've seen some of them that God just Tefloned them. He just said, you know what, you don't have to disassociate and not remember and be ruined the rest of your life and have problems and fall in the ditch of sexual immorality or you're just going to be a eunuch for the king. They were in the same thing but weren't of it. Jesus said we're to be in the world but not of it. It can be done. God can spray you. And I prayed for my children all their lives that God would Teflon them from anything that would try to uh, roost on them and build a nest on them. He just Tefloned them. You're in it, but not of it. Benjamin was in it all. He wasn't of it. Sorry, it happens. Some people are just okay. And some of those people are going to be anointed right now. And some of those people, just wherever they go, the belovedness of their confidence is just going to release tears and reconciliation wherever they go. They're not going to all be loud preachers, spitting cotton. They're very soft-spoken, in fact, because the power is going to do all the arguing. Can you imagine so much power coming out and through your hands that you don't even need to say anything? You don't need to preach? Now, I've told you some of this story. I will wind this down, but it's going to make you come back next week, Benjamin. Benjamin, you better come back because we're doing a psychoanalytic session on you. It's good to know who you are, and it's good to know what your name is, and it's good to know where you fit in the birth order because God is about to do something that is the enemy hates Benjamin was a wolf to the devil. But to God and his people, he was the beloved of the Lord on whom his favor rests. Why, what a contradictory nature, a wolf and a lamb at the same time. Yeah, to the devil, I'm a wolf. To God's people, I'm a lamb, I'm a shepherd. Both and, not either or. See, these Benjamins coming up, they don't have to have a Ph.D. and a D.H.D. and an M.H.D. and a D.D. and a D.M.N. Well, I knew a few that had that. One guy told me in his absolute pride, I have a demon." I said, well, I wouldn't be surprised." So proud. I noticed that's when all these theological studies programs went to DRS, a doctor of religious science, doctor of religious science, whatever that means. It's like a PhD in trampoline. (laughs) Because the demon pronouncement was not driving too many things where it should go. Okay. He's back in control and he's focused. Let me let me conclude. We've got so so much to cover. We're going to take. We're just. Well, I'm going to relax. We have we have all the time we need. In fact, I'm the male authority figure with the microphone. What are you going to do anyway? You could leave. You could not give that million dollars in the offering in twenty minutes. Oh, oh, oh. Withhold on me. If he doesn't wrap it up, I'm giving it to Calvary. Go ahead. It's okay a wink to my Calvary brethren. Rachel was the love of Jacob's life. Whenever Jacob looked at Joseph and Benjamin, he saw Mama. And Rachel was going to be blessed. Now let me just say, because I've been been playing a little bit about her, and I've been teasing a bit about her, but let me tell you something about this woman. This woman was desperate in her fruitlessness. For years Yeah, she had Jacob's love. Yeah, she was a Victoria's Secret model. Yeah, but she didn't have fruitfulness. And you know what? It doesn't matter all that you have. If you don't have something you want, you're miserable. She had her sister Leah. Rachel had to sit by, well, one child was born to Leah. A second child was born to Leah. A third child was born to Leah. A fourth child was born to Leah. A fifth child was born to Leah. A sixth child was born to Leah, a seventh child was born to Leah, an eighth child was born to Leah, a ninth child was born to Leah, a tenth child was born to Leah, an eleventh child was born to Leah. And each naming ceremony rubbed the wound that Rachel was fruitless. Genesis 30 verse 1 says she was so fruitless that she was about to take her life. I'm talking to somebody today. This is the whole message he told me to say today. Don't take your life. Don't end your life. I know it has been a life of fruitlessness. I know like Rachel that you've watched everybody go on past you. You've watched everybody you train go and succeed. And you still have a barren womb. God says do not end your life It's almost here. Your fruitfulness is almost here, Rachel. Don't kill yourself, Rachel. Don't do it. You can't do it. Not now. Not now. And you don't need mandrakes and you don't need to manipulate and control to try to get pregnant. God himself is bringing you Fruitfulness. You will bear fruit. She lived to see her womb full. And Joseph, the greatest Old Testament patriarch, came from her formerly barren womb. Yes, you've been barren all these years. I admit it. 11 kids you've seen. Always a bridesmaid, never a bride. I understand. And that caused such a death in you that you're wondering why you should even physically be alive because if life is just going to be a barren experience, why not just end the life? Well, it's God's life. You don't have a right to take it, number one. Number two, fruitfulness is on the way. It's almost here, Rachel. Joseph came out of her womb the love of her life, and the love of Jacob's life. Hold on. And then Benjamin came out of her womb. We're dealing with the two sons of Rachel, the only full-blooded sons. The only full-blooded sons. Jacob's only full-blooded brother. And we'll wait to next week to see what happens when two full-blooded brothers meet. If two of you will agree on anything that you've set your hearts to, I will make it good, Jesus said. What happens when two full-blooded brothers meet that are in agreement on everything? We're going to see some tears of relief, release and healing and a reconciliation that will end the famine in the world and change redemptive history. That's all. When Benjamin and Joseph get back together. God's about to bring some people back together. And you've been estranged from them for 22 years. And works he began through you 22 years ago that you have considered dead because you saw every logical evidence and every reasonable presentation that it was dead. But it's not dead, it's alive. And he's going to bring Joseph and Benjamin together. And that's going to be the beginning of the Benjamin generation, the release of the generation of the beloved. Say amen or oh me, it's so anyhow. Amen. Now, if that's just the apertif, I'm coming back next Sunday. I don't know about you. Here's tingling yet? Don't look at what the devil's doing. Quit looking horizontally. We're supposed to look vertically. What is the Lord doing? He's putting up one and putting down another. And he's preparing the way for the greatest outpouring of God in human history. That's all, Benjamin. So, Benji, just relax this week. I want you to walk around. Well, actually, just let Jesus walk around, be on his shoulders. Just be a friend of God. Just don't do anything. Be a human being, not a human doing. Wouldn't that be a lovely week? You don't have to pray. You get to pray. You quit trying to do spiritual gymnastics. All right, I've got to bend here, and then I lift up my prayer flag, and then I have to memorize seven verses of Scripture, and then I'm going to... Me- oh, my God. Do you know how stupid you look when you're trying to do that? <laughs> In the spirit to the devil. All right, it's your private time. Now we're going to do that, you know. And he just goes, ooh, I'm terrified. But when Benjamin comes in the room, whoa, 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 whoa." acid burns down all of his works. You're a Benjamin. Wake up to it. Doesn't even matter if you believe it. That's who you are. That's why you're still alive. I don't care how old you are. I don't care what you've been through. If you're alive now under the sound of my voice, you are of the Benjamin generation. You are of the beloved generation, and you're going to see grace, truth, time, and power just burst off of you because it isn't you doing anything. This is so Zen. This is so Taoist. This is so effortlessly beautiful, and it all comes from the Word of God. Isn't that delicious? You've heard me say it before. The pearl is the oyster's answer to what wounded it. What's yours? You've got to be a Joseph when you have power. And forgive, forgive, release it, let it go, let it go. Rachel, hold on. Your fruitfulness is coming, and it's going to exceed your hopes and expectations. Doesn't matter how old you are, God's word is true. Come in next week, and I'll I'll, I'll finish the rest. Father God, before you, Lord, I ask that you remove the spirit of suicide that is trying to rest like a hat on the heads of your people. In the name of Jesus, we knock it off. We knock that hat off. In the name of Jesus, we knock that hat off. Yeah, you've got logic. Yeah, you've seen 11 kids born by someone else. Yeah, you've watched other people's fruitfulness. That's all true. But what's what's most important is that you hear what the Lord says, which is your fruitfulness is just ahead of you. Rachel. Your womb isn't dead. It's been all stimulation and no fruit, but, but there's a point where you're going to, the seed is going to take. And you cannot off yourself. You cannot take the place of God. Only God can take your life. Father, we pray for a spirit of joy to fall upon your people, an anointing of a spirit of grace to displace right now all the wickedness and the heaviness. Father, I pray for your daughters that you remove every heaviness from their shoulders. And you erase all the facts from their board that they've been proven to you all these years that that this is why I can never succeed. Those 11 things, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're wiping the Zen garden clean. We're wiping the board clean right now in Jesus' name. We're wet cement. No more marks in Jesus' name. We're going to start with a brand new page of a brand new book. Benjamin, your time is coming. Rachel, you got to live because you're going to have Benjamin. And both of Rachel's kids looked like her and stirred the heart of Jacob. We'll deal with Jacob next week. Because Jacob needs to let go of Benjamin because he's not letting go. I tried to get to it today, but I did my best. I can't. We're just going to put a bookmark right there. We'll put a pen right there. Father, refresh your sons who are watching. Refresh their bowels of mercy. Refresh their confidence and boldness, Lord. Let them know they can be Benjamin, that they can just show up, be who they are, and you're going to do all all the heavy lifting, that you're going to do all the spiritual uh, warfare. You're going to do all the breakdown strongholds and this and the other and everything else. You're doing it all. Benjamin just has to show up. Lord, thank you for my brothers, Lord. They just have to do their little thing they do. They can just be a good son or they can be a good father. They can be a good husband or they can be a good whoever. And they can just just be themselves and you're going to do all the heavy lifting. What a gracious God you are. Lord, bring an anointing upon the Benjamin generation in Jesus' name. So put your hands together. Give the Lord a praise right now. Give the Lord a praise right now. That's good eating. Mm. Amen. We bless you. We love you. Just soak in this shut the noise out, and start soaking on the Benjamin generation. Go, how can I just relax and be myself? How can I just quit trying to be a human doing and become a human being? That's your homework this week. What can you stop doing? See, there, you're already in it. <laughs> Hebrews 4 says, labor to enter into his rest. Well, doesn't that sound confusing? <laughs> Some of you have to intentionally stop being a human doing and be a human being. My daughter has a friend whose father is the greatest human doing I've ever seen in my life. And he came to my house once and I looked at him and I said, I said, sir, I said, have you ever thought of stop being a human doing and start being a human being? And he dropped the couch we were carrying. (laughs) He said, I've never heard that in my life. I said, well, all right, next time pick the couch up. Oh, what God could do if we would cease from our labor in his name. Preach the gospel at all times. Use words when necessary. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: We hope today's message has been a blessing to you. And if it has, please visit our website at drcraigjohnson.org. There you can find additional messages of encouragement. And if our ministry has been a blessing to you, please consider us in your ministry giving, as we depend solely on the financial assistance of our listeners like yourself. Also, please feel free to send any personal prayer requests. You can find us online at drcraigjohnson.org. God bless you.